0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast on the Sirius Angler Network, powered by X2 Power. And, guys, today we've got a co host on BFTBB. Said that all right. Yep. <laughs> Bailey, what is going on, my guy?
1: Dude, it's good. It's uh, Bassmaster Live is finally back on. So, working throughout the day is a little bit more enjoyable. Not that I don't like my job, but when Bassmaster Live is there, it's a nice little distraction. Oh, dude! Uh, so it's especially when it's smallmouth, because you know, it's it's usually action packed.
0: It is, man, and I just love when they're catching them shallow, like they are. And as always, these are pre-recorded at the end of the week and go out the following Monday morning. So we are in just the beginning stages here of the Elite Series on the Saint Lawrence, and it has been so fun to watch shallow smallmouth clear water and good camera footage, dude. When when you're getting to see them eat and stuff.
1: Yeah. So, like, throughout this episode, you might just have to do a little click on the screen because I'm going to be sitting here, you know, watching BP reel in a big one right now. So, (laughs) I might get a little bit distracted, but no, Uh, I'm excited for this show because obviously it just came out yesterday and it's already been a crazy hot topic in the industry. A lot of debate, a lot of points that, like, I still don't think I have a hundred percent, like, side that I lean towards, but I see. Multiple angles, and I think it's going to make for a really good conversation.
0: Dude, it is wild to me thinking through this. Like, I was talking with my girlfriend last night about it and explained the entire situation. And I think about political debates in our country and, and that kind of a thing. And I really am not very political. Like, I do not follow politics hard, I do not choose a hard line side on a lot mm-hmm. of things. It is hilarious to me because I care so much more about this kind of a thing and it's not like, and it's the same way. I have like opinions that see both sides. Like I see both sides of this situation and that's why it's great to talk about this stuff, but it is so much more of a priority in my life than anything
1: political whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. I I choose the side of common sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're
1: okay if you choose common sense.
0: That's no, I'm with you. But what we're talking about, guys, of course, before – and it should be in the title here, and it will be. But anyways, uh, BASS has changed – Bassmaster has changed the Opens qualification for 2023. This was all released uh, this week, right at the end of the week, right at the start of this Elite Series event. And uh, social media has gone haywire with guys on both sides going crazy. You see it everywhere. And um, it is it is some big implications. And rather than being a qualification of each division plus an overall amount of qualifiers, they are switching. You have to compete in all nine opens and they will take the top nine anglers into the elite series for the 2023 season. So big implications there changes the dynamic for a lot of guys making decision changes. I will, I will say this credit to Bassmaster for at least doing this, this early in the year, being that it is July guys are going to start planning their season kind of for next year, this fall. It'd be really tough if this was like a bomb drop after the opens in 2022. And they're like, Hey, we're changing things up next year. And you have all these guys that took off work time or whatever, and Mm -hmm. to, to figure things out. So, Glad to hear
1: that. I guess that's a good point. Imagine that's like end of November, near sponsor talks are already done and everything like that, and like yeah, I, I didn't even think about that part. Like time, like see, see what I mean? Like different variables get brought up. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that side of it, but uh, yeah. there's been some stuff brought up where at first, I mean, we we'll probably wait till I like get our guest on before we start spewing stuff out. But like, I yeah. think one thing as a group here that we should remember throughout this because we're probably going to go on a thousand different tangents and different variables that were brought Direction. up. So we should remember to bring it back full circle here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the, yeah, the greater good I'm with you. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and with that, let's bring him in. So guys, uh, I just figured we, Bailey and I were brainstorming this show idea and obviously all the popularity around this. And it's like, okay, who do we want to get on, Regarding this. In my eyes, that's someone that's been there in the trenches, is in the trenches currently uh, in the Bassmaster Opens and has been on the Elite Series to really bring it all full circle. And that is Destin marion, man. Hey, Destin, what's going on?
2: Not much. How are you guys doing today?
0: Doing good, man. I'm doing good overall. Getting ready to uh, get some fishing in this weekend, a little local deal. But overall, okay. things are good, man. Can't complain.
2: Very nice. Yeah,
0: where are you fishing this weekend? Dude, it's so I'm um, a desert lake. Is I would relate it to a Havasu, very similar to Havasu, very clear desert lake in southern Colorado that does not have big fish in it. And it is going to take, especially this time of the year, it's very Ooh. tough. July like I mean it's like Ohio River style like I mean if I if I catch a limit that weighs 10, <laughs> 11, like you're doing good. You're doing things right. It's horrible.
2: Man, I feel like really hard to get. Those tournaments there. are good though. Like because you know if you catch them like a limit, you're gonna be fine. Like there's, I like of, them too. Like, oh, yeah, I got 16 pounds. Like everybody has 19. You're Like oh well, <laughs> that's not very good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like what's happened on the St. Lawrence is like 20. Yeah, isn't gonna do it for you, man.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, those,
2: I, those grinder tournaments are good. They're they're fun every once in a while.
1: Not every cool, day man. that'd be miserable. But
0: builds I mean. character, man. Like, yeah,
1: I, I'm a big fan of the grinder tournaments. Like, cause I honestly, I, I think a slug fest is fun, but like you always hear you guys talk about, it's really hard to like get ahead in a slug fest, mm-hmm. but it, I will say it really is hard to get excited about a tournament where nine pounds has you in the top 10.
2: Agreed. <laughs> and you're just like, please get five bites today, please.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you're like doing circles around the boat, when you have a two and a half pounder on, cause you don't want to lose it. Like that's why it's yeah. just like,
0: well, that's, <laughs> that's yeah,
1: exactly good TV.
0: No, <laughs> well that's, I mean, so, uh, man, Ken, Mond, bean yeah, yeah. But like Ken was talking to, he's like, dude, those, when, it, when a, a keeper matters, like, It's funny how much different you act with the fit that fish on versus when it's like you've got 20 pounds and you've got a oh, three-pounder on, you're like, ah, just get off. You know, you're wanting to get anything off this. But like now it's like a 14-inch, you're like, oh my, please, please, please. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Dude, at Sabine River, I never got so excited about a 14 inch. I'd do like a heel click and I caught a 14 inch. <laughs> I caught a, a, a three-pounder right the second day and they had me on the camera, like, Dustin, you got nine pounds, you're way ahead. I was like, Heck yeah, man, I'm crushing <laughs> them today.
0: We're doing <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You ain't doing a heel click right now. Oh man, that's true. What? You, you're still in the boot, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty hard to do a heel click in the boot. Uh, yeah, I don't An like, this, ready, I might
2: have two boots on. Two boots. <laughs> wait, hey. what?
0: No, it's only you only got one boot. What's what's yeah. going on?
2: Well, I said if you try to do a heel click, I might have two then after. Oh, oh okay.
1: <laughs> I was like, "Wait." <laughs> no,
2: like uh, I tore some ligaments in my ankle and um Ow. so I've been in the booth for about a week and a half or a month and a half and uh actually have an MRI tomorrow to figure out if we're gonna do surgery or not. Oh boy. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, good luck. Appreciate it.
0: Nice. All right. Well, guys, let's get to the topic at hand. I know we've got a lot to talk about here just around this, the implications of this. And I think there's going to be a lot of opinions on all sides of this. And so that's why I think this is cool to have kind of three of us, too, on this, these different sides and, and where we all kind of see this and um, the ups and downs. I think there's ups and downs to everything, and there's nothing uh, nothing different about something like this. Um, so got released, saw a ton of different social media chatter, all kinds of crazy things. It's like all nine versus qualifying between A couple, But let's talk about, Destin, before the show we were talking a little bit, when you qualified, how that format was and how it was changed. Let's go through a little history of how the Opens has changed over the years in qualifying for the Elites.
2: Yeah, so we're back to essentially the same format right now with the three different divisions and three events in each. Um, When I made it, uh, the first year I ever did the Opens, it was still this format. I think I finished seventh in the points. It was like when... It was like the first mass exodus. So when when I was doing that, it was like the Prosniks, the Straders, the Gagliardis were trying to make the leads. So I think I see. Strader finished one spot ahead of me in the points, and I just missed making it. And then when I did make it, it was through the Eastern Open. So they split into two separate divisions at that time. Got it. They did the an Eastern and a Central, and they had four events in each one. So they took – um, five guys from each one, and then they took, uh, I think, two two guys from or the Bass Nation champion, and I think they took eleven guys then, something like that. And uh, it was still winning. You're in the classic. If you win a tournament, you want you go to the classic, but it doesn't have any bearings on making the elite series. So it's really, it was good because like you could kind of if you just wanted to make the classic, if you didn't really want to do this full time, then you could still do that. If you want to make the elite series, you could do it and have a chance just fishing one division. Or when I did it, it was two divisions. It was four events. It was, it was a more uh, eclectic, you know, mix of sure tournament venues, you know, in the central and the Eastern where central is a lot of times now, are just a lot of river systems and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, the Northerns were mostly, you know, James River is always on there, but then you'd have a couple of Northern events. And then the Southerns would be a Florida event, a Tennessee event, a uh, South Carolina event. That's generally what they would do. And that's good and all, um, I think, more so if you're a Southern or Central angler because the Northern, the northern guys, if it was a Northern, straight Northern um, schedule, like St. Clair, Oneida, you know, that kind of thing, Sure, a lot of guys struggled when they made it through that that way. Mm-hmm. Like the first year that I did it, a couple guys that made it didn't do good. I don't believe because it was like Oneida, um, Erie, mm-hmm. um, and James River. So James River was really the only like wild there. Yeah, yeah, with different kind of fishery, not a smallmouth fishery.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it it wasn't um, the best indicator of what the elite series schedule is going to be because 75 80 of the schedule is southern fisheries southern central fisheries yeah which i'll kind of lump them in together but you only get about two northern fisheries a season maybe three if you're lucky so it's such a small piece of what you're doing like i feel like if i would have made it the first time being so young at that point it would have not been good because I had hardly any experience down South at that point too. I mean, even this last time, like the Southern thing is still something I don't have as much experience. Like I'm starting to pick up on some of the fisheries, but like the Tennessee river is a completely different animal. Most people from my area don't, even if they're established, don't do good on the Tennessee river unless, unless it's just something out of the ledge fishing you know, current thing. Like when I've done good there at Chickamauga at the open, that was my best tournament. I mm-hmm. was catching them off the of beds. And there it was no. like almost Memorial Day.
0: Yeah. It's the time of year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But if I can catch them shallow there, that's fine. But if I if they're on the ledges, it's very difficult. It's a whole different dynamic. The Coosa River is a different dynamic. The blueback lakes are really different. So, understanding all of those, it's really difficult for a northern angler if you're not being able to spend a lot of time doing it. So, yeah, a lot of northern guys have, have not done that good,
0: and I would argue. I would argue. I was thinking about this last night. It's the same way for, and like you said, the schedules have have changed and that kind of a thing. But like the central opens, that's like the closest thing to me, and that's the stuff that I follow quite a bit. Is like, and I fish some of those on the coast side, and and like it is always grinders, man. Like there's a oh, yeah. good like like it is always a river tournament. There's always at least one, sometimes two river tournaments. And then it's like Rayburn in September or like at a tough time, you know, it's, it's, or a grand Lake in the fall where it's not like it's, or like early fall, late fall last year kind of had some, had some good time. But anyways, like it's always seems to be that tough way. And then I would say the same way is like, you look at the history of the guys who made it from just the centrals and a lot of them had struggled as well, similar to the North. Now, and the centrals have moved a little bit, especially over the COVID yes. years, to be more Alabama y um, They have a lot of
2: Smith Lake and, mm-hmm. and Lay Lake mixed in there, which is helping. Big time. helping,
0: yeah. And and I would say that like out of all the divisions, out of all the divisions of if you're going to make if you were going to make it with only three, that Southern seemed to be the most prominent because yes. it's always starting in Florida. Leets are always starting in Florida, and then you have, um, you know. Uh, it might be like a Hartwell or those kinds of situations or the Tennessee river. And that is where it seemed like those were the guys that had already been competing at a pretty high level on those bodies of water. And they're going to get a good portion of those when they make it to the elites to to continue.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually went and fished essentials as a co-angler. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I fished as a co-angler for a number of years in the opens to learn, Yeah, and uh, one year I went out to the Centrals, and that was the last year I did the Opens. And I practiced with Stephen Browning; he's a friend of mine, and he won the points. I think he won two tournaments that he won two tournaments that year, I believe. Or no, he finished second in one and won the Red River. He's he's won like the
0: most of those river tournaments, right? Like he's like, and I don't have. He's a river
2: rat, and he's uh, really good. Yeah, I learned a lot, and uh, he he finished second at Amistad. I think that's the one Andy Young won. And then which was just kind of an outlier tournament. 13 pounds a day won the tournament. It was like 30 degrees. It was miserable. Jeez. But it was it was fitting into that grinder tournament. Yeah. Red River, good fishing, not great weights. He sure. won that one. And then Arkansas River, which I was in second place going in the last day in that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen finished like 13th. So I mean like he had like a second, a first, and a thirteenth. He won the points. I'm pretty sure by a landslide. But uh-huh. when I practiced with him, I learned that mindset. Like you're fishing for five to seven bites a day, and you better capitalize on it on those those fisheries that they fish. And Stephen will tell you that, like those guys, they're used to grinders. He doesn't like shootouts. He likes when he's fishing for five to seven bites. That's sure. his comfort zone. That's what he knows how to do. He's really good at it. Really good at it. Mm-hmm. And when it gets into the shootouts, that's when a lot of the guys that are used to that format, like that, you know, really tough grinder tournament. That's when it gets tough.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, that, that makes sense to, to fit that, that region. And, um, man, I just, I think what social media is portraying is it's like, it seems like there's guys that I've seen anyway on both sides of saying like, okay, this is horrible for bass fishing because uh it's making the working man not be able to to make it to the pro level. And then there's kind of the other side of saying, well, you see the side of let's look at what it looks like to prepare to make the elite series and get there and stay unless you're I mean, and have less of a risk when you get there to to for leaving kind of a situation. Now there's always a risk, but like That is kind of it. Seems like the two sides, and you see kind of folks talking them both ways. And there's so many different parts of this. But I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that kind of implication of is this making the elite series like the thing people have been saying like an elitist thing, right? What are what are your guys' thoughts? And you want to go first,
2: Bailey?
1: Sure. Yeah. At first, when I saw it, I was pretty against it for that reason of like you're counting out the working man, the guy that uh, needs to work that nine to five to, you know, pay their bills, but also have the dream of fishing the elite series. Mm -hmm. And while I still, while I still like feel for that side and think that that's an important part of bass, especially if they're going to call themselves grassroots. Mm -hmm. um, I also understand and the more I think about it the more it's making sense to me is that while yes there are definitely guys and this is you know an asterisk there are guys that are working a nine to five and don't have the time to fish all nine but if they made it could easily leave their job and maybe potentially get the sponsorships in order to fish the elite series but that is a very very like finite number that have the ability to do so so Circling back, I, I I can see why they made this move, because like even if it's so the working man qualifies for the elite series and a lot of the guys that I've I've you know, heard from or you see on social media are the guys that I'm going to qualify and worry about the business and social side later, which really it should be foot flopped this day and age there. It, it's what it's doing is forcing guys to be prepared for the elite series, prepared for that lifestyle before they qualify for the trail and the working man, typically nine times out of 10, they're not going to be, I don't want to say they're not going to be prepared, but like their lifestyle does not prepare them for the elite series. If that makes sense. So it's not providing them one, the time, which is obviously tough, but like they don't have the financials ready. They don't have the business side, which I got into an interesting, I shouldn't say debate because it really wasn't. It was a conversation on Facebook, Um, but this conversation had started and I, I firmly believe and I've had other folks that are in the industry agree with me that it is more important nowadays to be better at, say, social media than it is to actually catch a bass. Your career will be much longer if you're better in the social business aspect than you are actually catching fish. And I yeah. think that a lot of guys are lacking that in the opens. And it's I mean, we're going to go on different tangents through here, but that, that was my first thoughts and kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Gotcha.
2: Yeah. Those are good points. I mean, I would agree. Um, from when I was a co-angler up until when I was fishing the opens as a, a boater and a pro, I learned from a lot of guys. And, and one guy that taught me a lot about what Bailey just said is Kurt Dove. Um, mm. You know, he's a guy that's a really, really good businessman. He's been around the sport for a long time and he essentially broke down what the costs were. So like, you know, 10 years before I ever started doing this, I kind of knew what to expect. And he's, when you make it, you know, you got to come up with this amount of money. You have to have everything in place. Like you have to be prepared. And I think a lot of people get blindsided by that. Um, It's a little bit of ignorance in the sense that, well, I can catch fish like, okay, like just everything should fall into place. That's not exactly how it happens. I mean, even in a sport like I'd say NASCAR and golf are pretty similar okay. to, to fishing and in, in the sense of it takes a lot of money to play. Yeah. Okay. And you have to be marketable in order to be able to continue on in the sport. There's a lot of drivers that are at the dirt track, that are probably as good as a lot of NASCAR drivers, just, uh-huh. just being straight up honest. And that's the same in fishing. But they're not marketable um, in any sense. They don't have the professional and the business skills that it takes to be able to be the face of a business that is putting in marketing dollars to you. Um, you know, that's that's a whole different skill set. And to be a professional athlete in, in those kind of sports, and even even more so, it's it's happening more and even like more physical sports like football and stuff with NIL deals and stuff. Yeah, those are the guys that are making the money that are marketable. Like you could be a good athlete, but if you can't speak, if you can't carry yourself, if you, you know, you're not going to get ahead that much. Other than your finite resource of your physical ability, so you have to be understanding going into this sport what it is. And and Kurt was somebody that kind of really helped you know, take away those rose, rose colored glasses from me because he's somebody that's been in, been out, been in, been out. Yeah. And he knows, and he doesn't, he's never sugarcoated it to me as well as Steven and a lot of other guys. Like they were all straight up with me. Yeah. And I, I knew going in, you know, what it is. And I think I see a lot of guys are like, well, I'm good at fishing. Like I can do this. Well, okay. But then what happens when you don't catch them for a year?
0: There's a bad – look at who – I mean, there are high-level anglers that have a bad year. Really, look bad. At
2: who's having a bad year right now on the Elite Series. Ikenelli.
0: Ike Iken Cherry. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of people that are really good fishermen that have bad years. Believe me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a sport that you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. There's some guys that are just steady Eddie, but even, even those guys like the Greg Hackneys and stuff, Stephen Browning was friends with him. He told me – there was a point where he was almost done because it just wasn't working. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how fishing is. And yeah. you're going to stick around if you're able to be, you know, if you're able to know the business, really focus on the business side. You obviously got to catch fish and, and put a ton of energy and effort into that. But you have to understand the business side of it. And what really gets this industry going is the sponsors, the business side of it.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a show. A really sport. Mm-hmm. Destin, here's something quick that I'm curious if you'd agree, disagree with is for the for the guys that have the mentality, because there's still a lot of them out there of I can catch a bass, I'm good at catching a bass, and that should all be all that matters. Uh, but they are starting to realize that it's more on the business side. That if you're good at catching a bass, try your hand at potentially guiding, and that can get you your foot in the door to start building that brand. So you can guide, maybe start getting the funds and getting the resources, you know, maybe look local sponsorships to maybe get the funds for the opens. So by that time that you're on the opens and maybe you have the chance to qualify,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: have a steady brand, at least the one that's on the incline or one that's prevalent enough to get you big money sponsorships. Once you qualify. Does that make yeah.
2: sense? No, guiding is a great thing. Like I've been doing that. I've had a captain's license and guide business for eight or nine years. I think now, And about half a dozen of my friends since have followed suit and done the same thing. They're guiding now. And one of my friends just quit his job in Florida. And he said, that was the best thing he's ever done. And he was making over a hundred thousand dollars, but in Florida, you're guiding 365 and you can make good money doing it. Sure. And he already is. And he already is. And he sees like, okay, this is nice. Um, and he's a really good tournament fisherman. and He's kind of going that route that you're talking about Bailey. And it's something that I did. Kurt, Kurt was the kind of a guy that helped because he had a guide business. He kind of taught me like, okay, how can you make money? Okay. You can make money winning tournaments. You can make money. This, that's not as stable. You're, you're going to be funded by your sponsors and your own business ventures, which is guiding. That's an easy one. You're on the water. Um, You're staying somewhat sharp just by being on the water. Even if you're not fishing as much, you're making the decisions is helping your clients get onto the fish. Like when I was in Florida, and guiding, you know, five, six days a week and being on the St. John's all the time, my fishing was definitely at its peak because St. John's is one of the harder fisheries to fish. And if you can, if you're staying on the fish there, like everything is, you're, you're making good decisions. And um, a lot of guys that do that, uh, the guiding aspect is for what Bailey said is true. I mean, that's a really good way to start. Um, and the guys that are just like, I'm not into the business side, da dah, dah, dah don't do the elite series. Just yeah. went, just go make a bunch of money locally. Fish all the big local trails. You can make mm-hmm. more money fishing big local trails in the south than you can do making fishing on the elites and stuff. If you're not a businessman, if yeah. you're not somebody that's a marketable guy, mm-hmm. if you're older, if you just don't like to talk on, you know, on camera, you don't have good public speaking, you don't care to, why do anything different.
0: That's Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean in and, and the last show That i had was with todd Castledine on that topic specifically he's a great
2: example of that
0: phenomenal example of that right and he's like i'm not going to ever tell anyone if you've got your your sponsors lined up and you've got your route paid for to go fish professionally but if you are looking at this from a dollars and cents standpoint on what your risk versus return is look really hard at fishing at a local level like Mm -hmm. at a high level At a local level,
2: well, they have like bass champs and you know Texas team trails where they're making good money.
0: Big, big tournaments. You can't
1: do that in the Northeast.
2: No, that's the problem. (laughs) Like up here, it's it's really regional where you're able to actually make money. Mm -hmm. And Florida, you know, to some extent, Alabama, Alabama, one hundred. That's probably the biggest one. Tennessee, Alabama, those are the big ones. You know, Georgia's got good. Good stuff, South Carolina, North Carolina, like those are
1: Cali- the areas. What's that? Where? What
2: about California? Can you do that in California? So Yeah. This, now. I
0: think now. Yeah, and there's there's and here's the thing, man. So uh, a show that's going to be coming up after this too, which is phenomenal, talking about self promotion, is Ken Ma, who has done a fantastic job out west. Yeah, on, he's on tremendous. That. Tremendous, and and his mindset, and we'll get back into we'll we'll rein it back in and talk about my thoughts on fishing or the the aspect of being prepared going into the series but his mindset on that stuff is so incredible and what they're doing with the apex and that kind of a thing they're creating a platform to be able to fish professionally right at that at wild that west best trail. yep so it's the wild West best trail and then the apex series with that and then he fishes all of the toyota series out there and but like those platforms are where he sees the value of of having that professional level angler and guys representing high level brands. I mean, his, his sponsorship portfolio is extremely strong. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I, I would put it up there with elite series level guys, you know, higher, you know, in some situations, like he, he has dedicated a lot of time to that self-promotion side of things. And we were just talking about problems in the, in the industry in general with where folks don't necessarily still don't see the value in that. And, um, No, I think I think that's a possibility more and more on the West Coast. There's less anglers, like we talked. The number of tournament anglers, a good tournament is in that low hundreds, right? Versus a Texas team trail that's got 250 boats, right? So there's just a numbers difference, but like they're able to build that platform. That's what they're trying to do is make it a viable option to the guys out west. So it's kind of they're doing
1: a good job of it too. I I think so too.
0: Yeah,
1: I I think there's two really hard facts that I think people are having a really hard time coming to terms with, which I understand, but are just, it's just gotta be one of those things that you're going to have to accept it. And if you can't deal with that, then you probably aren't cut out for what it like modern times in terms of professional fishing. And that one that Destin already touched on, like if you aren't good with the media or social side, you're either going to really struggle financially or it's just not cut out for you and then two i've kept hearing a lot of people say it's now a rich man's sport but it's like everything in life is becoming a rich man's sport
0: well like, and, and i don't know if it's ever i mean here recently i don't it's hard to look at something where even if it, you're fishing three tournaments a year and you've got an eighty thousand dollar boat, a fifty thousand dollar boat, whatever it may be like it's not exactly a cheap deal as it is now like you can't you can't sit here and argue that now it's a rich man's sport. Like it's been that right. way,
2: yeah. Like, maybe maybe Bailey's got something with this kayak thing.
0: Hundred percent, man. There's a
2: reason I ain't leaving it. I mean, I don't have money, but like, well, I, I don't the fact don't find that you're winning like everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, He's
2: hammered. You, you and Drew Gregory.
0: Cap. Yeah. No, that's and so here's my personal perspective on this. So I went from being nine to five. My, my, the company I work for and still work for, I independent contract for and work more than I ever have outside of fishing. Right. But the reason I did that was because I was only allotted a very small amount of vacation days and was fishing the local stuff and was like, man, I can't even go fish a state qualifier for a week because it eats up my vacation days. So I went independent contractor and fished the central Toyotas as a boater two years ago. Now that was an eye opening experience for me because you look at it like, okay okay, I know how much I'm spending. I know how much how I can make. I had a great first tournament, cashed a good check. And it's like, hmm, you think about all that stuff, but until you actually do it and you look at the numbers and I was like, I really didn't make any money here. Like that was a lot of travel for me from Colorado to go to uh, Lake of the Ozarks. And then I looked at the other next two tournaments where I didn't do well. And it's like, without some sort of promotion and staying power, like this is not feasible. Like this is, and this is in, in Toyota series, like, a podcast on the Toyota Sears versus the Opens. Similar situations, I would say, in some some respect, the Toyota Sears is a better bang for your buck with the championship. Anyways, so I took a year back this year, and I'm fishing stuff as a co-angler. So I'm fishing. Um, I'll be up at Champlain fishing as a co-angler, and the Toyota Sears up there to get my wild card to get my four in because Jealous. I looked at the numbers. <laughs> what? Jealous. Yeah, dude, Can't <laughs> playing. playing man. i am just—I've never been, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you'll love it. You'll I'm have a so blast. There's no fish. Nothing there, no, huh? Nothing. Horrible. It's like the grinders that we were talking about. Same deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, like I took a hard look at where I was as an angler, and what the numbers looked like, and it's like, to me, that is such a, I, I want to set myself up. For that position and how i have always viewed this after looking at the numbers is i think the only reason to fish a division of the opens and or a division of the toyota series like it doesn't pencil very well without any sponsorship dollars but it's a like you can if you can a lot of guys i think are upset because you could justify the funds to fish three versus fishing nine and have your shot but like your shot's very low but my biggest thing is i've always viewed this as i'm i'm finding out that i'm a less i'm a risk at more at risk adverse person than i thought i was in the fishing world and 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 going from a 9 to 5 to independent contractor but it's like my viewpoint is fish a division of the toyota series get good maybe fish two divisions of the Toyota series or, and this was when the opens were three and get to that point to where you're comfortable on different bodies of water. And then the best route and the best odds have always been to fish all nine, nine opens. So like my viewpoint was always try and get to a point to where you feel comfortable and build that brand, build your portfolio in those, in those level events and then push into all nine and, and set yourself up because you're going to need to be, prepared at that next one because how can you go pay forty thousand dollars to fish a season of nine opens and then turn around and if you turn around and then pay a hundred thousand to fish the elites after after it's all said and done with expenses and that kind of a thing. And that's just that's always been my thought process with it. So I just I don't know if people were have been blinders on to what it really means to fish at that top level. And that I mean checks just don't come in the door. After you make it, you know, Alamo. like, and that's, and that's, it's like, well, it's not, it's stopping the guys to have a chance. Well, it's like, dude, it may be saving guys because financially, if you make it in three, you're not realizing what you're about to take on, including myself. Like even just fishing the dude, I didn't realize how expensive it was until I went and did it. I was like, holy crap. I can't imagine doing this and also paying a $5,000 entry fee. Well, and nine I, of them, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't
1: know. Well, going back to your point though, like people that fish only three of them, right. In the hopes of making it. And then this is where the big conversation is in terms of financials. It's, I think a lot of people aren't asking themselves the hard questions of if you, you know, you're a guy that makes it in three, one, can you afford to leave your job to fish the whole elite series schedule? If you can't, how do you expect to fish that schedule already? Because you, you, can't take time off to fish the nine opens right if you can't do that then why are you fishing it why are you not taking that time to save your money you know work for another five to ten years and then take another stab at it when you once you have a better pad like i, I think there's uh, maybe it's like our current generation right now where people like <laughs> to avoid the hard questions right where they yeah. I mean, fishing's about sacrifice i mean it's that's The hard truth right i mean i think this is where it comes down to people need to really face the facts here that if you want to make this happen you know serious sacrifice serious sacrifice if you want to make it happen you will find a way of doing that if a job is getting in the way you will find a way around it you might find a different occupation that sounds way easier saying that versus actually doing it yeah but like I don't know. The part of me still feels for those that like in certain situations. But Mm -hmm. I will also say, too, like if you're a family man and that's and you complain that because you're a family man, you can't take the time for that, then maybe you should what you exactly just said. Could be a reason why maybe you shouldn't try to go after that at that point. You know what I mean?
0: Well, dude, I I think I think Destin made a great point comparing it to other sports like and I'm thinking about it. From like a golf perspective like how many there are so many guys that are weekender golf guys like and there are so many guys that are bass weekender guys there is no one that is playing golf on the weekends that is trying to to go golf professionally like the amount of work and dedication that it takes to make it at the pro level in in sports and and that's a great comparison to bass fishing is like it's hard for me to see that justification to be like, well, this stopped the working man. It's like, was there a working man trying to make it in NASCAR and in golf and in any other sports? It's like, no, they, they, they dropped everything or they have been raised through their entire life in that realm of things. Like, I mean, that's just, and that's the, the hard reality of it, I think. And that's, and and I, I'm like someone that's on the opposite side of like, okay, looking back on what do I really want to do? Do I want to just fish at a high level locally? Do I want to fish weekend deals? Like, if I'm going to make that push, but I think I have a firm grasp on what it takes to push to that level from just seeing the outside perspective. And it's like, you got to look hard, a hard truth at yourself, I guess.
2: I think that's two thirds. I think that was a really good point. I think that's two thirds of what you're looking at for people that want to fish. The other third, which has been brought up a lot on Facebook and stuff is being rich. And You you do have, like, there's a lot of guys that fish professionally that just come from really wealthy backgrounds. Mm -hmm. That is part of it. And that's, I think, the big gripe for a lot of these working man people that, you know, myself included, I was just born into a low, middle, middle class family. You know, like, that's, it's hard to get out of that to fish, you know, to fish professionally, to, to do NASCAR, to do the golf, whatever. You can do it. There's no question there's a handful of guys that fish professionally that have, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's the exception, not the norm. Sure. Right. And a good point. I, get that, I get that gripe on it and I do. And I agree with you. Like either you've just been brought up in it in your whole life. Like a lot of these, you're seeing a lot of these pros kids now doing it. Like the old sure. junior, you know, the man, leaker, how like yep. those, those guys, that's, that's really a good point too. Um, because it's, it's kind of your trade. It's, you know, if your dad was a, you know, a tailor or whatever, you learn how to be a tailor and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you, you have that leg up in that sense. So there is a few different trains of thought, I think, in people that are doing it at this level. Um, but I, I get the gripe from the working man, mm-hmm. um, for, for why they're a little bit displeased with this. And I, like I said, I'm I'm not necessarily mad about this or, you know, happy about it. I'm yeah. still deciding what I think for myself, what I, how I feel about it. But yeah. I do see all the perspectives as far as, you know, these people feel this way that it's becoming an elitist sport, which your point is true. Like we talked, it's always been for the most part. However, I will take that back before 2008, Okay, I know a lot of the guys
0: that were in to the sport.
2: Yeah. They were getting two, three, free boats a year, three motors. You there know? was so
0: much more money in that early, yeah. like the late '90s, early 2000s. Was, right.
2: Sponsorships, wild. And that was wild. the peak Impressive. when a lot of they got. But here's the other on the flip side. So those guys that got in at that point are the yeah. ones they're trying to keep in right now. Mm. So I do understand that perspective because yeah. a lot of those guys were kind of grandfathered in in the sense that they got that now guys are scraping, clawing for peanuts. You know what I mean? Yep. That's that's what's changed the sport. And that, that could be a testament to our decadence as, as Americans, Mm. you know, or it could just be a testament to the changing of the sport. And, and I think even in golf and all that, it was different. I think it was similar to that too, back in the day where it was, it was a lot like that. And I, I know that's, that's probably going to PO a lot of people that I know off saying a lot of that, but it's the, it is the truth. Yeah.
1: Uh, one thing quick before we go off on another tangent that I just want to bring up the uh, kind of more, not really about the topic, but it kind of irks me is the amount of people that blame, like seems like they're blaming and using it as an excuse when other people have money. Like, Oh dude. Yeah. Like, no, I, I I, I'm not a fan about the whole. I'm not the, about the whole pity party thing. Like just because you don't have money and look, like I, I feel for the working man or the, you know, when you're not born with money, like a, a Laker Howell, just because he was born into the sport and may be a little bit more well off than others, is don't blame him for that. I mean, no. oh, does it, that it mean he's not grinding it. his butt off to achieve his dream? Just same There's way as you are.
2: There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think the the point is that a lot of guys have is like it's that much harder yeah. for somebody that doesn't have that, which right. this, is, this is the quote that I hear more often than not that has always irked me. Must be nice.
0: Oh, like, that's I,
2: that's what people say. Must be nice. And even though like, I don't have any money and I never really have, like I'm in an okay place. Me and my family are good. However, yeah. now, but when people say, even when I was had an absolute nothing, I still, it just bothered me, you know? Yeah, it's no, not like just, somebody's like family member didn't work God, for that. Baby. Somebody at some point didn't earn that. You know what I mean?
0: Well, that's I mean, that's a that's a I don't know. That's and and like you said, Bailey, that's something that has always irked me too. Like I have I have some friends that are uber, uber wealth situations, right? And it is like you can't blame that person for that. Like it just, uh-huh. it just I don't it's like someone in their family had dedicated their entire life to building something and uh i don't know just to me that that whole side of things bothers me so so much to some extent and also like you see the other side of it like i've got friends now that have grinded to build a business that had i mean you watched it go from i mean nothing to what they are now and they can fish whenever they want and they don't have to worry about sponsors they can go and and you know what like and i understand that that people are like oh must be nice like that guy doesn't have to worry about his gas bill when he goes to this place and it's like yeah but like he worked his tail off to get there like i don't know that's just uh and that's why he's able to go take his boat and go do whatever he wants
1: and that and that, that circles back too to like what we're we talking about where like people are just going to have to accept the fact a few different facts of life right now and that part of that is is that
0: and that's not just bass fishing That's no everything. that's life
1: dude like and that's part of it it's like if you're not if you're not if you're not well off but you want to chase this dream you're just going to have to accept the fact that your road is going to be a little bit more challenging you now whereas that person might be able to get a little crazy with meals at an Airbnb you know whereas <laughs> you're sleeping in your truck off of P b and js like yes yeah,
0: and you're eating your P b and js
1: it's just how much you want it that's that's really what it is so you're all gonna come back to that like how much do you want to chase that if your cons don't outweigh your if your pros don't outweigh your cons it's probably not the smart decision
0: mm-hmm
2: I want to make another point to what you were saying, Bailey, about like the guy working for five or 10 years and then going after it. And, and also tie into what you said, Deacon, which was the risk adverseness. So this is, I mean, this is like really micro level, but the fact of the matter is, I find a lot of guys like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I just got to get to that. But then when they get to that stage, like I can't, I can't do it. I got a family. I got this business as you were saying Sense. i got this other thing going on so like now i can't and I'm, i as you age as you get older your risk adverseness even if you are extremely risk adverse to begin with it usually starts going down i agree so a lot of the guys maybe in their older age will do it if they have an exuberance amounts of money and time and stuff but generally they're they're not giving their best take on what they could have if when they were younger and, and that's something I also saw because, I mean, I fished as a co I got to fish with, like, people like Dave Smith, who's a billionaire who mm-hmm. fished on the Elite Series and stuff. I got to fish with people that were, you know, poor. I got to fish with people that, you know, were, a stat, like, about to win the Classic. I got, to, like, all these people in different stages, and I kind of see, like, okay, in the sport, you want to get in when you're young. Mm-hmm. A, because you're marketable at that age, and B, because you're hungry. And, and when yeah. you get older, you lose that. You lose both of those things. And I, as myself, when I was evaluating it and like Deacon, like you're doing now, I did it as a co-angler. I came in as I was 21 years old with no tournament experience. I started fishing as a co-angler said, okay, this is how I'm going to learn. And I, Within five years, I almost made the elite series my first wow. year. And that's from learning, but you have to put yourself in that position. Like I'm not good enough. I don't know enough yet. I'm going to learn. Because these mm-hmm. people are smarter and better than I am. And I'm going to soak it in and I'm going to take the lumps and take a zero here and there because they're sight fishing or whatever.
0: It's and going to <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: deal with it. You know, yeah. that's the kind of stuff you're gonna to have to go through. But if if you really want it, you can get it. There's no question. Mm-hmm. There's no question that you can get to that level. And ultimately, you have to really evaluate it and be realistic, like we've been talking about. Do you wanna have a family? Do you wanna you know live in one area and be be home and have a community? You're not gonna have those things really if you do this. I mean, I'm just gonna be straight up with you. I You're think I was on 27, eight weeks, you know, the last two years wow. minimum. That's wow. more than half the year. Like at the end of it, it was like more than half the year. I think it was 28, 28 weeks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a little more than half the year. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be driving. It's going to be hard on your family. It's going to be hard on your relationships. It's going to be hard on your pocketbook. It's going to be hard on you mentally and physically because that's my buddy that just quit his job as a guy. he's like, dude, he's like, I thought my job was hard. And he worked 12, 14 hour days construction. Okay. He said, dude, this takes, it takes it out of me. You know, I was like,
0: yeah, you're out on the
2: water for 12, 14 hours a day for weeks straight. It takes it out of you. It is hard. Mentally and physically. So, if you want to do this, know what you're getting into. Know the financials. If you want to fish all nine opens, you're going to be spending thirty, forty thousand dollars this year, this coming year. But if you have the resource, if you plan for that, if you have the sponsor help, which I've been fortunate to get a lot of that in my career, which has been instrumental because I didn't, I didn't have the money. Um, that's what you need to do. I mean, if you really want to do it, you need to focus on it and do it.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that brings it all back to the preparedness of, of of what it means to fish nine versus that. And, and I see both sides of that. I see the aspect of two of like dipping, dipping your foot in to get your three. And, and I think when, when it comes down to what you're saying, as far as like your risk adverseness, as you get older, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, look at like a, I mean, someone who maybe is, and there's some people that break the curve, but like a Ron Nelson, uh, on the, Tackle House Pro Circuit. He's an
2: older guy that older waited. Guy and is did grinding, it later is life. right
0: and like and he and he gets after it uh, at this stage and and that's because he built that. But I agree. I think that you see that a lot of like someone who's saying like, well, I'm going to go next year. Like eventually, like once this gets better or this, you know, and then you have a family. And so I think it is. You need to really look and you look at the guys that did go when they were young. Like, and the time to be risky is in your in, in your 20s like yes. you, you don't if you don't the more you get older like the more responsibilities start happening family stuff kids possibly like but those are all decisions you need to make i think young of like if i'm really going to chase this you know some of that stuff may be put off or 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 not be a reality of of with what i'm looking for as a young angler and i think that there's always that aspect of how much you really want to do your passions, and then that that risk adverseness, and I think that it's it's all a different balance for each person. I think each person needs to really look at their own situation and decide. I mean, if you're if you're comfortable and you're 21 and you've got it going on, like man, go swing. I'm not going to tell anyone to go knock, go follow their dream and go chase it. Like, go freaking live in your truck and chase it. But like. Or if you have the financial back and your parents are like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to pay, I'm going to give you two years. I'll pay for everything for two years and go like, go do it. Like, I mean, you know, like that sounds great. <laughs> uh, and that's just, and that's just uh, the reality of it all. And I don't know, I'm bringing up some good points.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in the end to like speak. So looking at the side of it, I feel like we've been talking a lot about the angler standpoint from pro, like for the people who are against it and people that are for it. But from Bassmaster, too, this is way less headache for them of guys that qualify that have to drop out halfway through their first season or something like that because huh. they don't have the money to compete. And I, I, I do think, in turn, I think long-term it'll make for a better process of – well, I should say this. I hope from Bassmaster, the one, they increase the heck out of the coverage from opens, and okay. to increase the payouts – And I think long-term you'll create a better funnel to the elite series by doing this in terms of just anglers that can make the cut and, you know, actually last long-term on the elite series if they're good enough.
2: I, I don't think that's been a big issue recently with people dropping out that are rookies. I think just being in it myself and seeing most of the guys that are dropping out are older. That okay. have been in there for a couple oh, of years really? that are just done like last year a few people didn't make the northern the end of the northern swing they were all multi year guys
1: mm.
2: they all, all right, I'll come. take that
1: back then well
2: what, what i'm what I'm saying is like I don't think it makes it any less more or less of a headache for bass having guys that are unprepared and because ultimately. Like they don't really care as long as they're making money and they already have the product. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, well, if you want to throw yourselves into the wolves, come on right along, buddy. That's kind of the mindset. So I understand your perspective. I heard the same one, but I don't necessarily agree with it from their standpoint. I understand. I agree with it from a outside looking in perspective, but I don't agree with it from their standpoint. Because for them, it doesn't matter making money, easy, whatever. Like I said, I think there was – I think Chad Morgan Thaler just dropped out from this year and he's retiring. Like most of the guys that I've seen recently – and this is not true before. I think years past, a lot of rookies had no idea how much money it was and they were dropping out. I think there's a little more education now that people know and they're a little more prepared and not dropping out at least till year two. Hmm.
0: Well, and, and I almost wonder then, okay, like, I guess the opposition of that, Destin, would be, and not to say not anything with the dropouts, but more of, let's get into, like, what we think this is going to look like next year as far as maybe how many anglers, but from Bass's perspective, what's what do you see if you're saying it's not to maybe... Um, it, it, like they have the product, right? Like, let's be real. Yeah. How many people are signing up for the opens? Like, the amount of people waitlisted that can't get into the opens, like, the product's there. They're making money from the current setup. Why go to a nine series all across the country? Like, where do you think their motive is coming from?
2: You know, I really didn't know at first, other than the okay, it's preparing, but somebody, said, like, okay, that makes it easier for the guys that are already established, the MLF guys that are trying to come back over because they have the sponsor resources, the time to do so. Mm. And, and I could see that because right now you're going to have, you know, your Keith Pochet, I think, is going to make it, your Cody Meyer. It's going to make it a little more advantageous for guys to come back which I understand that from a business perspective, because
0: trying to get those, if those you're competing
2: with this organization and you want to take their guys, how can we do that? And I'm not saying that's what
1: they're doing. I'm yeah. saying from an outside looking in, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to see a cycle. I think we already, we talked about it briefly offline, Adam, but like, you're going to see a bunch of the pro circuit guys take their funds and move it over to the opens. Now that there's going to be less guys, I think competing. And then there's going, you're going to see the Toyotas explode but the guys that can only fish yeah, hundred percent
0: and I, and I like, here's, here's my thoughts on it. So first of all, look at how many guys already, when you look at the pro circuit, not, not the BPT, but when you're looking at pro circuit specific guys, six tournaments, if you are set up and already on that path of you've been on the pro circuit and you've got your sponsor dollars funded for these six tournaments, some of those guys are going to fish both this and the Opens. I, I think that you're going to see folks fishing both of those and or now the NPFL guys, another national circuit that's got six tournaments, folks who have been out and around. And whether that is from a, having a business or the sponsor backing to be able to go fish six tournaments, regardless of the league, now you maybe have that option to do that as well. I mean, look at Asuka, who has a good chance mm-hmm. to make the Elite Series right now.
2: Well, he's going to... like. I- there's
0: no way. I don't think he won't. Yeah. But, like, he is fishing a ton of tournaments, right? I mean, he's fishing all all the NPFL, all the Opens. So, like, you're already kind of seeing that happen. And so, like, let's see. In their article, Bass's article, 83 Opens anglers signed up for all nine Opens last year. It was unpre- unprecedented, like, the largest ever of all nine right. being signed up. And, obviously, there's a drop-off there towards the end of the season if guys aren't doing well. They're just not going to fish the rest of them. But how many do you think that they're going to fill that full field again in the opens fields with this new situation? No, no, Bailey.
1: Yeah, I gotta agree with Destin.
0: I I think I think so too. I think that there'll be a drop, but I don't think it's going to be as significant as people thought. Like I don't think it's going to just go down Agreed. to guys. Agree. I mean, like, I think it'll, it'll be, be over
2: 150. Yeah. I, I think, think it'll
0: be a, to 200 range.
2: Yes. And that's what it used to be. Okay. So that's what it was. And that's, I, I liked it better that way. A place like Oneida Lake with 225 boats is absurd. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, absurd. I was shocked at how consistent the weights were with that many. It was good, man.
2: I couldn't believe it either. Well, Fair I don't know. The second day it dropped significantly. Like, the cut dropped at least two or three pounds. Mm hmm. But it was like guys that were catching were super consistent, and it was hard to get up. Like you could know where all the good spots are on anada and where you can win, but getting on it, it's a different story a lot of times. <laughs> you
0: know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and yeah.
2: I, it was almost like a TVA tournament, like cycling. But, yeah, but a lot of people weren't cycling; they just sit on a spot. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it, it wasn't like gotcha. You could just wait on a spot there. And yeah, you can yeah. do that at a lot of smallmouth fisheries. I feel like you can sit on a good spot and just wait it out.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think I think the Bassmaster article said there was 83 total anglers that signed up for all nine yeah. this year. Yeah, I saw yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm gonna be. Re- I'm really curious. I mean, I think you could throw numbers out there like 150 or 175, whatever it might be. I'm. I'm. I don't think it I think it's gonna be really hard to predict what the numbers are gonna look like for guys that come over or guys that join because of this, to see what it's going to look like next year. Um, I still think there's going to be like maybe – I think it's going to be a small number, maybe five to ten local guys that will enter one division just to try to make a classic. But I think it's going to be a very, very small number that do that. Maybe I think like they're I local guys. I've been
2: guys. trying to deter that too because I, I, a lot of the things they were putting into place, they were having a lot of cherry picking and they didn't like that because yeah. one, one dude would just fish they changed it ultimately because one dude would come fish or not and it lives there and mm-hmm. win it. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, well, he didn't fish. Th- this is just stupid. Like they didn't like it. So they've done a lot of things and put a lot of things in place to, to hopefully not have that happen.
1: So here, here's a question then, because as far as I know they have not changed that if you fish say the Northern, so you fish three tournaments, yep. a much e- uh, easier, I shouldn't say easier, but a much lesser investment than doing all nine Sure. to still make a classic if you win one of them. Do you think after next year, they're going to get rid of that and say you have to fish all nine in order to make a classic?
0: No, they've um, already, I think they already said that in the article.
1: Well, but that's just, I'm not talking, the, I'm not talking for next year. year. Yeah. I'm talking the, the following oh, year. I think we'll see that. I you see you think I they're. Think there, a, I think it's like
2: a, I think one a, a lot of things, companies and things change things. They try to see how much pain people can tolerate. Mm. So it, judging by how much of a turnout people get i would say bailey has a point there That they might try that yeah
0: yeah and 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 i mean so so another topic that that goes into how many guys are going to fish this and something i've been having a lot of conversations with with a john hunter on the show previously just regarding inflation fuel costs how much this really affects anglers bottom line when it comes down to it and that's why mm-hmm. again back to that self-promotion sponsorship is so dang important with this stuff as far as what you're actually making at the end of the day, how many guys you know that were maybe in the position, say last year, looking at, hey, I can maybe swing all nine, and now it's like, hmm, my few to give a great example of fuel cost, uh team team bass championship last year, so my team partner and I went and fished that on fall Alabama, from Colorado, like twenty three hour drive, right? like haul, okay, ran the numbers, may have been further than that, but anyways. Ran the fuel numbers for that. We keep an Excel file, all our stuff, and then my stuff for taxes. And did the same thing for Oahe this last year, or for this last uh, our Bass Nation tournament that just happened in June. Fuel costs were the same for an eight hour drive for me as a twenty-three hour (laughs) drive. Think about that. Like (laughs) like that that is to show the power of how fuel prices have, have gone up. Like and the overall cost of the tournament, I should say, was very close to the same number, which is crazy to me.
2: Made the wow. run to the Hominy at the James River, I would have to put my credit card in three times. So it would go to 100, Whoa, stop, wow. put it in again, 100, and then oh, 25. It'd be $225 to fill up a good chick. Whereas I think the first year that I went, like made the run to the chick, like, shoot, it was probably like 80 or 90, 100 bucks, you know,
1: to, to run wow.
2: the chick and burn a bunch. Yeah.
1: So. Do you want to get into the kayak game now? Or <laughs> <laughs> it, it crossed my mind. No. Dude. Hey, I mean, you would do great. That's all I'm saying. you do great.
0: I like it, man.
1: The payouts are getting more every year. That's all I'm saying.
0: But your your costs are going up too, Bailey. You still got to go drive to Alabama and stuff.
1: I mean, but yeah. You know, if you add on the hours of the, <laughs> hours of the drive, of course. And, the and, and you're getting go. up
0: 25 miles to a gallon instead of 10 when you're
1: pulling. Correct. <laughs> So it's saying. a
2: lot nicer than towing, I get like 13 miles a gallon towing. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It's nice when you can stay 5 minutes from the ramp and all you got to do is drive there put in and it's all leg power for the rest of the day. It's and you get to
2: work out, yeah. you don't even have to go to the gym after. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's what I'm
1: saying.
0: <laughs> Dude, and nice. on the on the premise of this show being that it's business from the boat, <laughs> like one thing too I'd love to get into topic in the future Bailey and remind me just to, when we talk about future shows is like I have learned on how to make tournament fishing fairly cheap. Like not not saying, not saying like a boats and that kind of thing. But like if you're willing, like dude, I sleep in the truck bed camper so often. I mean like that campsites are a lot cheaper. And that's okay, especially when it's like a weekend tournament. Like I can I don't mind it. Like eight days in a row in the truck bed might be tough. Like the guys do it, you know? Yeah. And uh so I don't know. It'd be a good topic just on how to how to cut costs because it's going to be very expensive i think the way things are looking next year
1: yeah be happy i to you
0: some pointers <laughs> there we go
1: <laughs> it'd be cool to compare that because i know obviously we're talking the opens right here so i'll make this quick but like at least in the kayak game you can make that extremely extremely cheap and like really maximize your roi like the you tournament i won my biggest expense was gas and that was just driving there and back i think i spent eight ninety dollars on groceries throughout the week yeah. and it was like I think total it was two thirty something to stay at the campground I was at for seven nights. Like, yeah, you're willing if you're like I was saying earlier. If you're willing to tent it up or sleep in your truck and eat PB and J's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you can make it happen. You You can can make it cheap,
2: right? (laughs) You can do that, or you can stay at a house with like twenty guys and just pile on top of each other, basically. Because that's about three hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, dude. The amount of times that like I've always looked at it, like. If I can get four guys in an Airbnb, it's the same as a campsite cost.
2: Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Almost exactly. We, we travel in the opens with three to four guys, and we stay at a house. And it's almost always, you know, and we're staying for a week or more, you know, four or 500 bucks a person. And then you've yeah. got it safe for your boat. you got a place to plug in. You can spread you know, out. You can cook so you don't, you know, waste money going out all the time.
0: Yeah. No man, exactly. That's, I feel the same way. That's how I've always looked at it. Just you can lower your cost. But, yo, guys. Well, any, any wrap up thoughts here on on next year and all of this stuff going th- into this?
1: I think it's a obviously it's a hot topic, being that it was you know posted yesterday, uh, and it does impact a lot of people that are only able to fish the th- like the one division. Um, And I think it'll stay salty for a decent amount of folks. But I think you look a year from now there, people are going to might understand. I I mean, again, it's going to depend on how this plays out and what the live coverage looks like and the payouts. I think Mm -hmm. if everything stays the same, I think there's going to be even more people pissed off. Uh, But I think depending on how it plays out, I think people are going to forget about it and kind of maybe understand the move. But you're still, I mean, regardless of whatever happens, you're always going to have your people pissed off
0: oh dude no matter no matter what it is it could have been you can only qualify by fishing three and guys would have been up in arms you know what i mean yeah there was no overall you know the problem
2: is anytime you change something everybody's got an opinion on it and always people don't like when things change because everybody's used to status quo and i don't think it's i don't think it's a bad thing that they're changing it and I, i I've told you I'm not necessarily mad nor happy about it. I'm still yeah. kind of evaluating what I think and what I'm gonna do next year. Because I only fished two divisions this year. I did mm-hmm. not want to fish all nine and I could have. Yeah. Um mostly because financially and time wise, it just doesn't when you have a family and stuff, it does change it. Like it's hard. Sure. It's very hard. And um so it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard decision to think about, you know, what to do.
0: No doubt, man. That's and that's a whole nother thing. And that's uh yeah, I mean, literally this got released this week, so it's hard to be like, Destin, what are you doing next year, man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it all goes into the equation, and that's a really good point on this. And uh it's just it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out, man. And I, I think that one last thing that I would say is that I wonder I wonder how many guys are still going to jackpot a tournament or a division right of fishing three and maybe that's like the guy who's preparing or someone that's really good in the region but like i mean you look at a rayburn situation where you have so many local hammers that that just fish only when it comes to rayburn and maybe they're not i mean like they would love to make the classic but they don't care about fishing all three can they still, or do you have to still sign up for a, in a division next year? Like, you know what I mean? Could they jackpot that? And I know Bass is trying to get away from that. And anglers probably are okay with people getting away from that that are fishing
1: all, all of them. I bet you'd see that in time. You'll Indeed. see that. You can't sign up for just one, it'll be a division. Yeah.
2: I mean, that, that was essentially how it was this year because they filled up. like they had that. enough. Mm-hmm. The only way you could get into a single one essentially was it had to be a later event because people would drop out. Like my sense. buddy signed up right when you could sign up for the Southerners, and he was 100th on the wait list.
0: That's what I heard about the Southerners. The Southerners were so stacked it wasn't even funny.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same. Yeah. That's wild. Gotcha. All right, guys. Well, I think there's some good conversation, and uh, I don't know. I see both sides of it. I'm in the same boat probably as Destin of. I haven't quite figured out my angle. I think I'm more leaning towards it's not a bad move. I think mm-hmm. it's a good situation long term for the sport. But I do see both sides, and, like, Being in a position where it's like the next couple of years, I would like to fish a division of those, a division of the Toyotas maybe and work that way. Mm -hmm. But like, I think it just changes your strategy and maybe it's a it's a good move long term.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the folks that are disgruntled about it are and for for good reason, because like in your current scenario, when you figure out that what your route that you think you're going to take or try to take is no longer viable cuts off, obviously is going Mm -hmm. to piss you off in a way. I think you just give give time for people to breathe, but I will also preface the other fact, too, that I'm not chasing this dream, so I don't have passion or feelings involved for it. So I can't speak for the guys that are actually doing it, and I I feel like there's probably some people that heard some points in this show. They're like, well, you're not fishing these. You're not doing this. Obviously, that Destin is, which is why we got him on the show, Yep. uh, that are like, so you have no idea what it's like to feel that. I just want to preface that, that I acknowledge that part. (laughs) Okay, so... But I I just I don't know. It'll be interesting to see over time as this thing breeze. If things change, if people are still pretty pissed about it, that's the whole deal.
2: I think it's going to last a little while
1: because this is a pretty big change
2: and Mm -hmm. a lot of. I mean, it was record numbers even signing up for the opens. You know, this year so many people were trying to get in, and a lot of people couldn't get in. So now the fact that this is changing that much more, and you can have to fish all nine of them it definitely changes people's perspectives on things and you have to adjust your plan. If you, this is what you want to do. If you can't fish all nine, how you might be able to go about it. Do you go fish, you know, the Toyota series, like you were saying, do you go fish more local stuff? Do you, you know, fish some as a co-angler and and just have a less of a investment and, and still learn and get to fish a lot of these fisheries, go fish all nine as a co-angler. I did that one year. That was one of the best things that I think I ever did, just learning-wise. I mean, it's expensive, but nowhere near as expensive. It's yeah, probable of being kayak because all you're doing, you don't have to trailer usually. I mean, some people trailer their kayaks, but <laughs> you, you know, you're know, you getting 25, 30 miles a gallon on your vehicle and you're driving to the place. You stack up with a bunch of people, so it's cheap. You only have to go for a few days. You don't have to go for a week in practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Just it show up and go. Ultimately-
0: there's options. There's options, and and uh, I almost wonder. And Bailey, I want to want to emphasize your point of like people are like, well, you don't do. That. It's like, listen, I I understand that's a fair statement. I don't have the same background as a Destin here, right? Talking about this stuff, I do think we're bringing up good points, and I think that we all fish tournaments to some level of of what we see and like where that all all fits in line. And I will say, I wonder. If like with how strong, how much cash has been in, in pushed into our economy the last couple of years, I mean, you saw a huge blow up of tournaments of guys fishing higher levels than maybe they would have ever previously because there was cash in the marketplace. Now this verge of recession, pushing all this stuff down, it's like, should bass have made this move if this was their goal a year ago? or a, two years ago when it was really, you know, are we going to see a drop off in anglers because of fuel prices? And maybe there isn't an, an economic hit that affects guys jobs and, and their business maybe that they had and they're having to lay guys off. And I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out in like five years from now. What, it what, what the field looks like, what everything is going on.
1: I'm actually kind of curious until totally a random, but the 83 total anglers that sign up for all nine, how many of them are actually fishing all nine because of the gas. So one of a friend of mine, I won't mention a name, after Oneida is
2: like I'm not fishing the rest. And he was fishing all night. He's like, dude, the gas prices, my business, like, he was just done with it because mm-hmm. he wasn't in the points anymore. So he's just like, I'm done with it. I guarantee Thank you, God. a lot of people after that tournament are just I'm not fishing the rest. Which is I'd only willing- two, there's only two. Well, no, I forgot the Centrals, but there's only a Southern and a Northern left. I don't know how many
1: Centrals are left.
2: Maybe two. Just
1: two, yeah, yeah. I'd be willing to bet. I mean, if they're I guess it depends on how many are actually in the running or like within reach, but over fifty percent of them will probably stop fishing them all. Yeah. For that yeah, reason.
0: And that's but that's and, and that's that's also been the case previously, right? I mean right. like even last year Hallman was like I mean, he's gone out and said it perfectly made sense. It's like, dude, I'm not gonna keep going if I'm not sitting in a good position. Like the goal is to make the elites for this.
1: Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Well, that's actually that's something good to bring up. Then, so this isn't like the Elite Series where you're you basically are you have to fish every event. How how much are, like what are the numbers going to look like for tournaments at the end of the year? That's a having really to good fish point. all nine. Is there going to be a huge drop off where you only have sixty Jeez. guys fishing at the tournament?
2: That's so I a- think to to the point that you made, like they want to get people that are going to stick around. I don't think that is inviting people to stick around doing the nine because you're going to have so half the field drop out by the last couple of tournaments.
0: I'm still trying to really see like they
2: get their balance though. They they keep their balance.
0: They, yeah. They
2: don't get but they just don't pay or they keep their deposit. They don't pay the balance.
0: Okay, into that. But like to me, you think about this, like I'm still struggling with what is what is Bass's motive here. And I think it's more along the lines of preparing anglers because that's a negative thing for your business too. Like if you're gonna have a drop-off, a big drop-off on the ninth tournament of the year, like when you would have had 225 the year previously of entry fees that's helping you and that's helping payback. But like, I don't know, I don't know where that's all coming from, but it's interesting.
2: Yeah. It's definitely thought provoking and everybody's got an opinion on it. So it'll that's be right, curious. Right. It'll be interesting to see how things play out because it's, it's a big change.
0: Yeah. Each change. Cool.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing more platforms talk about this. Maybe some things. We oh Yeah. Have missed. Think about Oh it. yeah.
0: I think that's, what's going to be cool about it is like someone's going to listen to our thing and be like, Oh, you guys are dumb. You missed this part. And then it's like, Oh man, this other guy had it. you know, so I don't know. I'm excited to see like <laughs> someone poses like the amount of YouTube content, podcast ta- content, <laughs> social media, like is going to be wicked. I'm
1: looking channels. forward to seeing the YouTube thumbnails for this. <laughs> I know,
0: especially yours. I can't
1: yeah, wait. Yeah, see- I can't wait,
0: Bailey. You're going to make some magic happen, dude. I'm just going to try.
1: Better. I'm just more thinking of other channels that are way, way, like, we're not ruthless at all. I mean, yeah. We might we might touch a little bit on the clickbaity side sometimes, but, like, people that do not Buildings
0: care. burning, just like. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing
1: Randy Blockett's thumbnails, dude. Like, oh, that man, man is too, not right? afraid. He's got great points, but I mean, he's, he's not afraid of a clickbait title or thumbnail. I'm, it's going to be interesting. Uh,
0: Boycott it's funny. Really in Someone's going to sure. say
1: it. Someone, oh, of course.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, Destin, uh, before I let you go, just because you haven't been on business from the bass boat directly, I would like to hear your biggest largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass, where you were when you caught them, and then uh, we'll let you guys go.
2: Oh, cool. I didn't know this was. I know, I know the serious angler dynamic, <laughs> what he used to ask me all the time at the end. So, right. Um, biggest largemouth, St. John's, uh, nine and a half. Nice. Seth Fider landed it for me. First day I ever fished St. John's. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, it, and he had caught a 13 the year before. So, he dude's bigger than that. It's the biggest one I've ever seen because their heads at They're St. John's are so freaking big, but their bodies are just, you know, not quite as stout. So it it looked like it was all of like 12, 13 pounds. But it was like, what what
0: what was that on?
2: Uh, A speed worm.
0: Nice. That's
2: not fun at all. No. I said the hook and I was like, boring bite. Oh my gosh. And it's like it went (laughs) under his boat, was jumping behind us, (laughs) came back under somehow. It's a tarpon. Yeah. (laughs) It was nuts. Awesome. Um, Smallmouth, 7'2 here in Erie, PA. Damn. I thought it in college when I was on a pier. When I oh pier. no way! Yeah, wow. I imagine caught... you said a pier because I was going to ask for waypoints. I could give you. It's called the South Pier. Now in you're in good, Pennsylvania.
0: Oh man, people, everyone, you <laughs> <get> ready.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Houston's
0: crowded. It's gonna blow up.
2: I've yeah. caught a lot of upper sixes, like six, not like 14s, six six but seven two is the biggest.
0: That's a giant dude. Yeah, and then spot.
2: Uh, spot was at uh, Smith Lake practicing for an open when mm-hmm. I was traveling with Seth, and I was on an a rig. It was like a little over five. Dang. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. The nice. Spot. It was. Nice we're,
2: we nobody even in the house. I don't even think went out fishing except he and I went out for a few hours. Like froze our butts off in the rain and the cold. It was like thirty degrees, and we caught a couple of hammers and we're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's go
0: that's, that's awesome. awesome Yeah, awesome all right boys well uh i'm gonna let everyone go here and bailey will uh will, this will be released during icast week so excited to get down there with you and uh, see more of the fishing industry i'm sure there'll be plenty of beers drank and talked about this exact situation that we're talking about here so oh yeah when well, you fly on
2: the wall there yeah exactly Best, are you gonna be at icast i'm not going now right. well you'll be missed, you'll be missed. No, well thank you Hopefully I know you're lying, saying. but thank
0: you. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. All right, guys. Well, have a great rest of your day. And uh, tune in next week, folks, for another Good Business from the Bass Boat and all, all the stuff we got going on the serious Angler platform.
1: Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it,